down there. I think it might be Jessica. I hope they, they're great for you, Jessica. They're going to be awesome. You're going to have a great time in the presence of God down there. You know, we, they don't stop worshiping when they leave down here. The first thing they do down, they go down there and they lift up their hands and they dance and they praise and they have a great time and then they open the word too. Come on. Hallelujah. Well, welcome. Good morning. So great to see you all this morning. Welcome all you who are watching us via online. We're so glad that you've joined us today as well. Go ahead and get your Bible. Grab hold with us. Those of you who are here, if you've got the Bible on your phone, go ahead and open it. If you've got your Bible, we're going to open. Follow along because it's not the word that I know and believe that will help you. It's the word that you know and believe that will help you. Because I can't live your faith for you. Oh, come on. Come on. That's right, Annie. I can't live your faith for you. But when you know the word, when you know the truth, that's what sets you free. Well, this morning we're going to continue on on our series on the nature and the character of God. And last week we were very, very much like, yeah, 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 go, 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 run, run, run. You know, it was, it was, we were in a place of excitement and expectation. And this week... I anticipate it's going to be very different. And why am I saying that? It's because there's times to get excited, and then there's times where you need to take a moment and lay a foundation. You can get excited about a lot of stuff, but then you forget it. Why am I excited? You know, when you're out of the moment, but when you've got the foundation of the word and the truth of what God has said, man, you can get excited every day. You know, I was thinking about how we're really, it's really popular these days to go to what they call TED Talks, and people get up there, and they're very great presenters, and there's they're stuff that they're passionate about, and that they know how to move the crowd in just the right way, so people are like, oh, that's so interesting, that's so good, and I was thinking back, you know, I've watched so many of them, and I was racking my brain, I'm like, can I think of a single topic they were talking about? And the answer was No. I was excited in the moment because they were, ooh, they were good at how they could work the crowd. But you know, there's something about when you have an understanding and an interest in the word that you recall back. And it's like, oh, it could be 10 months down the word. The Holy Spirit brings something to your remembrance that was said here today. We're going to continue to lay a foundation. And so last week, we started talking about the redemptive names of God. And we didn't say that by name, but we're going to say it this week. What are the redemptive names of God? They are names that were, account, were given that people said, okay, here's the character or the quality that I recognize that this is what God has. And there are qualities that have stood the test of time that they don't change. It's not like he was one way one day and another way the next because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so with the redemptive names of God, these are revealed characteristics of him yes. that you can cling to every day that don't, he, they do not change. They can't change. It's impossible for God to change. It says that he has no shadow of turning, so therefore you're not consumed. Isn't that interesting? Yes. So you're not consumed. It's not for his benefit, it's for your benefit. You don't have to get up in the morning and be like, how is God? Come on, some of my kids, when they wake up in the morning, I'm like, what mood are you in today? 
oh, I see you're a little bit grumpy. Do you need to go back to bed for a few minutes? You don't have to worry about that with God, right? He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we talked about early on in this series that everything, all the qualities and the characteristics of God are summed up in Jesus. It says that he is the fullness of the Godhead in bodily form. And so if it was seen in God, it should be seen in Jesus. And so if he doesn't change, that's why the word can say in Hebrews 13, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His qualities, his characteristics, and his nature have not changed. Come on, that's such a good thing. That means when you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you see what Jesus did, he hasn't changed. And if he did it for them, guess what? He'll do it for you. Well, I don't know about that, Pastor Jordan. Oh, I don't care what you think about what I say. The Word of God said he does not show partiality. If he did it for one, he'll do it for another. Come on, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so whatever it is you're going through, I guarantee you, you can find an example of Jesus doing something similar to what it is that you need right now. Come on, if you need healing in your body, what did we see so much of what Jesus did in his ministry? He went about and he healed the sick. Come on, Peter, when he was preaching about Jesus in Acts chapter 10, he said how God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost and with power, and he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. I'm so glad that verse didn't say he went about healing some or every tenth or every 20th, or every millionth. Come on. It said how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and power and healed all because God was with him. And he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so with the redemptive names of God or the revealed qualities and characteristics of them, they're the same yesterday, today, and forever too. And every single one of them begins with the starting of Jehovah. Jehovah Sidkenu, Jehovah Rohi, Jehovah Rapha, and so on down the list. They are all anchored around Jehovah. And the simple definition of Jehovah is the existing one. And that's why we had to start, well, was it four weeks ago now when we started moving this direction, that we talked about Moses, and Moses said, what name do I tell them? Who, what, what's your name, God? Who should I say sent me to you? And he said, I am that I am. Or I am the self-existent one that exists. And that is so important because when you say like, oh, you need God, people go, which one? There's thousands of them. No, there's only the one, the self-existent one who exists. Everything else is a pale imitation of some of his qualities, some of his characteristics. There is only one God who exists in fullness. He is the creator of heaven and earth. He's your creator. And when you could believed on Jesus, you stepped into the family. He's not just the creator. He's not just the self-existent God. He's now your father God. And just as Jesus said, Father, you can now cry out, Father, I need help. Give me direction. Give me guidance. Oh, I love what the Galatians said. It says that we've received the spirit of adoption, and now we cry out, Abba, Father. Come on, Abba is the, is the Hebrew word that a child would use for their kid. You'll be going around the playground going, Abba, Abba, look at me. Look at me go across the monkey bars. Come on. It's an enduring, intimate ter term that is used for the father, and he's now your father. 
Just as if he was Jesus' father, you're his sons and his daughters. You're his kids. And so every one of the redemptive names of God begins with Jehovah. It is all saturated around he is the existent one, and then it reveals the quality or the characteristic. He's the existing one, and here's what he does. This was such a holy word for the Jewish people. So much so that they relegated it down to really four letters. It is such a holy thing, they don't even want to speak the whole name, and they don't want to write the whole thing out. So they write it out in just the four letters, the, which we say it, see in English, the, the Y-H-W-H, and it's yod Hey vav Hey. It's just the, the, the Hebrew letters that are meant to represent that name. And it was so holy to them that when they were transcribing things, whenever they would reach that word, that name of God, they would stop. And they would go and they would ceremonially wash, ceremonially wash. And then they'd go and they'd write it, and then they'd go wash again, being like, I want to be clean. I want to stand before God holy. You know what? You don't have to worry about how clean you are. Go ahead and speak the name of Jesus. Go ahead and speak Jehovah God. He's already made you clean by the blood of Jesus. Come on. He is the existing one, and it was holy and precious to them. And so it's one of the words that God uses often to describe himself. Another way that you can see Jehovah rendered is it's the self-existent Lord who reveals himself. And isn't that where we were when we started last week? God wants to be discovered. God wants to be listened to and heard. And so much so, he reveals himself. When I hear people say, I, I, just, I just don't know God and I just can't seem to understand, you know what that tells me? You haven't been looking. Because he said, seek and you find. Yes. Ask and you receive. Knock and it's open to you. If you're looking, he shows up. You want to know how, why this is so important? Because he wasn't looking for mindless servants. When he created Adam and Eve, he came down in the cool of the day to walk with them and to talk with them. He wants that fellowship. Come on, he's already got all the angels to be his servants. He doesn't need another one. What he wants is a son. What he wants is a daughter. Hallelujah. So we're on the redemptive names of God, and we're going to continue on where we left off last week in Genesis chapter 22. You can turn there if you'd like in your Bibles or just follow along on the screens. But in Genesis chapter 22 and in verse 14, at the end of the progression of the story, and what's going, been going on is Abraham was asked of God. He said, Abraham, take the son, your son, the son in whom you love, go to the mountain and sacrifice him. And so if you're kind of like, why would God ever ask Abraham to do that? You're going to have to go and listen to last week's message. We don't have time to go over it again. But there was more going on beneath the surface of that request. And so Abraham, at the end of that story, after God makes a way, he says this. And Abraham called the place Jehovah-Jireh. As it is said to this day, or another way of saying that, as it's still applicable right now in this generation. Come on. It's not changed. As it is said to this day, 
in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. And so that word Jehovah Jireh that Abraham calls the place is this, the Lord will provide. It is the revealed characteristic that God is a provider. It's part of his nature. It's part of his character. It can't be separated away from him. And the thing is that this is not something that at the end of the story, Abraham's like, oh, I, I guess God's the provider. No, this is something that he knew leading up to that moment already, something he already believed because as they're heading up the mountain, Isaac says to him, he's like, Dad, we've got the fire. We've got the wood. Where's the sacrifice? And Abraham says to Isaac, my son, God will provide for himself a lamb for the burnt offering. God will provide for himself. He didn't say God might provide a lamb. He already knew going up the mountain that God would provide because he's a provider. And the sad part is when we say the word Jehovah Jireh, things have gotten so skewed out of proportion that people automatically think money, 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 money. Oh, God's going to just bless me with millions and millions of dollars and I'm never going to have to do anything again in my life. Oh, how I'm looking forward to just sitting on my dock or sitting on my yacht and doing nothing because God's going to throw money at me. Money, 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 money. No, that just reveals your heart, not his. Money wasn't what was needed in this situation. The lamb for the sacrifice was. And oftentimes, the place where we're looking might not be the thing that we actually need. As we said, these characteristics are all manifested throughout Jesus' ministry. What was needed when he hit the blind man? Sight. So he provided sight. When it came to the feeding the 5,000, they said, should we go ahead and spend a year's worth of, of money to go into town and get all the, all, the, all the bread that we would need to feed all these people? And he said, no. What do you have? And he provided for them right there. And so if our focus constantly becomes money, 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 we'll miss God, 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 and his provision most of the time. Because there's things that are more important that money just becomes the byproduct of following after God because I did what he told me to do, I was where he wanted me to be, and the blessing just can't help but just produce in my life. And so when we make money the focus, we really have just revealed our God. My God is not money. My God is Jehovah Jireh. He provides whatever it is I need. And here when Abraham said, my son, God will provide for himself a lamb for a burnt offering, we would expect that it would be a different definition than what's actually there. We think, oh, God will give us increase or God will add to us, or God will bring a sacrifice. But when he used the word provide, it was the word ra'ah, which means to cause to see. My son, God will cause us to see exactly what it is that we need in this moment. And so you're like, God, what do I need to be the solution of this problem that I found myself in? He will cause you to see when you go to him. That's why Moses or Abraham said, he said, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be seen. Provision is found at the feet of Jesus. And we're looking everywhere else, like, where do I go? What do I do? How can I, you know, build my empire? It starts with submitting yourself at the feet of Jesus. 
And he said, seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. What were the, all these things he's talking about? It's like some people seek after clothing. Some people are seeking after food. Some people are worried about what they're going to do tomorrow. The fulfillment of those things are found at the feet of Jesus. And I love the example that he used. He said, you see those birds over there? Are they worried? And God provides for them. How much more? And so this is a character aspect of God that cannot be pried away from him. And there are people that preach this in a negative, in a, in, into an excess and out, out beyond what the word actually says. But I needed to be warned that there are ditches on both sides of the road. You can push it to excess, but then you can also recoil to the other day and say, well, no, I'm going to be content in my poverty. And, you know, whatever God wants, that's just going to happen. And No, there's things that you don't need to accept. There's situations that come into your life that are subject to change when you get with God. And so there's ditches on both sides, and so we need to be careful not to recoil from someone else's excess into our own excess in the other direction. And so this is important to remember. Provision is preceded by vision. What does that mean? I'm not saying... A vision, as in like the heavens opened and I saw the angels dance and it was like, oh, and I saw gold coming down from heaven. He's like, here you go, my child. No, come on. Some people get stupid. Okay? Come on. Hang around religion long enough, you, you'll see some. It's preceded by vision. That is you being able to see the character and the nature of God. That you can confidently face every situation just like Abraham did. My son, God will provide. Come on. You know, sometimes we interpret Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, the Lord who provides, or the God my provider, and those are fine definitions. I like God will provide. There's a certainty behind it that I know that whatever situation I find myself in, I'm coming out the other side because whatever has to happen, God will provide. How do we know that? Because in, in Corinthians it says, Paul said, that in whatever test or trial you find yourself in, God makes a way of escape. That's provision. Whatever needs to happen to get out, he provides. Amen? So Abraham called the name of the place Jehovah-Jireh, and he called the name of that place that, and it's still that way to this day, and he said, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. And so this is a lot has to do with vision. Provision is preceded by vision. And this is not the first time that Abraham talked about Ra'ah or cause to see in the story of Genesis 22. When they came to the mountain, the mountain that God told them to go to, it says this, on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And you could say, well, that just seems like an unimportant aspect, okay? He knows where he needs to go. No, this is very important. Abraham saw where he needed to go, which tells me that the sacrifice was not to be made where he was. Come on. When you see what you need to do, you need to then go do it. He didn't look and say he saw the place Afar off. Think of all the things he could have said. They're on the side of a mountain, right? 
God, I really don't want to climb that cliff to get up there. I'm much more comfortable right where I am. Let's do it here. Come on. We, we hear Christians like this all the time. Well, I'm good. God can get, get it to me right where I need to be. No, if he told you to go there, you go there. Because that's where provision is. And that's why you had the vision to see. And so he drops things in people's hearts, and they go, oh, wouldn't that be nice? And then they never get up off the couch to ever even attempt to do it. Because we like our comfort. We get comfortable where we are. But there's a difference between what you are able to do and what you are willing to do. And there, that's where provision is found. I'm able, and now I'm willing. God, if that's where you want me, to, I'll go. If that's what you want me to do, I'll do. You want me to start a business, God? I'll do it. You want me to work for that person, God? I'll do it. Whatever he tells you to do, you do it. Isn't that Mary's instruction at the wedding of Cana? They ran out of wine. It's really an insignificant problem for Jesus. He's just a guest there. But his mom was involved in the planning of that wedding. This is a big problem for her. And Jesus says there, woman, which that would have, I said that to my mom, I would have got backhanded. <laughs> woman, what does this have to do with me? My time's not come. And like a good mother, she ignores the sass and says, hey, you servants there. Whatever he says to do, you go and do it. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> like, that was her way of saying, boy, if you want to live, you better get up off your butt and do this. And so whatever he tells you to do, you go and do it. Come on. Because God puts tugs in our hearts all the time like, hey, I should go talk to that person. You don't know what's on the other side of that connection. But we often be like, well, I'm a little busy and eh, it's kind of awkward having to start a conversation. Come on. That's me talking as an introvert. <laughs> Whenever God nudges me, go talk to that person. And I think of all the reasons why I shouldn't do that. And really, it's not that I shouldn't. It's why I don't want to. Get your want to out of the way. So Abraham looked up and he saw the place where he needed to be. When you see where you need to be and what you need to be doing, get in it. And then once he got in that place, he got Isaac up on the altar, and he's like, I guess I'm going through, and God can just raise him from the dead. But it says, Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and there behind him was the ram caught in the thicket by its horns. And so Abraham said, wow, that's a, that's a nice ram. That would be good for the sacrifice. Oh, wait, God, you're not going to go get it out of the bush for me? What, God, you're not going to tie it down? God, you're, you're, you're not going to make the sacrifice happen? No, it says he saw and he looked, and then he went. And he took the ram, and he offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And so provision is always preceded by vision. And the characteristic of God, that he is your Jehovah Jireh, the God who will provide, has not changed, will not change, and for all eternity, he has made provision for whatever it is you need to be doing. He didn't even just see it for just here on this earth. He saw into eternity that where you're going to spend with him. Come on. 
It's not just about this earth. And that'll give you a completely different perspective. Because when we're looking at the, the little situations we get into, and it's like, how will I ever get out of this? And you're like, wait a second. My God has already seen all the way through all that will ever exist forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Surely he saw me here. Whew. He saw you where you are right now. It's not a surprise to him, even if it was for you. In whatever situation you find yourself in, we can remember what Paul said to the Romans in chapter 8, verse 28. We know that all things work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purposes. He says they work together for good. It doesn't mean that every situation you find yourself in is good. Come on. Doesn't mean every situation you come into will be good, but it can end good. If you're willing to trust and believe and look to God. Hallelujah. He went on, he says, for whom he foreknew. Meaning God has seen you before you even got here. What is it, Jeremiah said that God spoke to him and said, I knew you when you were still in your mom's womb. He knows your ins and your outs, your ups and your downs, your ends from your beginnings. He foreknew you. Including this moment. And he also predestined us to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. There's great comfort in that if you think about it. Because if we've been conformed to the image of his son, and you have spiritually, you've been made one with him, just like he's one with God. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. It says, old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Come on, is that not true? Yes. Am I making that up? No. no, that's 2 Corinthians chapter 5. New. It's been made new. So what is Jesus right now? Is Jesus lacking something right now? Whoa, that's kind of interesting. Because John said, as he is, so are we in this world because God is so much into provision he already provided and you just haven't looked for it yet but when you look you'll find and when you find go ahead and dance a jig and say thank you God Thank you for that wisdom. That's exactly what I needed. Thank you for that direction. That's exactly where I need to go. Thank you for this opportunity that you've just opened before me. Thank you for that promotion that you just made available for me. Thank you, Lord, for that new connection that I have. Thank you, Lord, for that job that's opening up on my behalf. Come on. Go ahead and dance. You might as well get excited about the things of God. But moreover, meaning he's not even done there. <laughs> It says, moreover, those that he predestined or those that he thought about ahead of time, those he called. And there's a great thing about when God calls you, it's his job, not yours. And if he's the boss, get what? He gets to provide the resources to carry it out. Come on. You don't hire somebody and then say, well, you figure it out. No. Here's what I need you to do, and here's what you need to do it. That's the boss's job. He called you. Get in your calling, and your provision will be fine. 
And he says, and these he also justified, which means he took all the obstacles out of the way. He has washed you white as snow with the blood of Jesus. All sin has been wiped away. You are holy, so go ahead and be holy as he is holy. You've been called. You've been justified. And if he wanted to leave it there, it would have been good. But it says, these he also glorified. How did that happen? He raised you up. He made you to sit together with him at the right hand of the Father who sits in glory. Come on. His glory fills the temple. The train of his robe has filled. He sits there in beauty and majesty. You have been glorified right alongside Jesus when you sat down. <laughs> Hallelujah. And so what shall we say about these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? The interesting word about, thing about that word who is the word tis in the Greek, which can also be to, translated as that or whatever. If God is for us, what can be against me? Because sometimes we don't always look and say, oh, if, if so-and-so is out of the way. But we may look and be like, if that what was gone, it doesn't matter if it's a who or a what, it can't stand against you. Because he who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? His providing nature of whatever it is you need cannot be separated from him. It's a fixed Quality. So I want to end with an interesting story from the Bible this morning. You ready for one more? In Genesis chapter 30, we encounter Abraham's grandson named Jacob. Now, Jacob is an interesting character of the Bible. He's born a twin, his brother Esau. Esau comes out first as the firstborn, so by, by the, the lineage, he gets everything. He gets the blessing, the house goes to him, and Jacob is to play second fiddle, but no, 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 no. As they're coming out, Jacob, the twin, reaches out and grabs his brother's heel, and, he's like, and the, his mother calls him Jacob, which means deceiver or supplanter, meaning he's going to uh, put himself above his brother through deceit and manipulation. What a great start to the life, you know? Would you, would, what would you think, John, if your mother named you Deceiver? And so Jacob is born into that situation, and he lives out his name. He manipulates his brother into giving him his birthright over a bowl of food. And when I look at the story, I'm kind of like, well, Esau, you were pretty dumb in saying yes. I've never been so hungry that I would give up my present and my future for a bowl of food, <laughs> you know? Was he really that bad of a hunter? Because <laughs> he came in from hunting, and he was so hungry, he thought he would die. <sighs> I digress. But Jacob, he's messed things up with his father. He's messed things up with Esau, and he takes off, and he runs away to a relative in his family named Laban. Now, the thing about being a deceiver, which Jacob was, and a manipulator, you end up surrounding yourself with people like quality. And so he finds himself with Laban, and he notices Laban's daughter, Rachel, and he's like, Hey, Laban, can I have her for my wife? She's pretty cute. And Laban says, yeah, sure, work for me for seven years, and I'll give her to you. And so he works for seven years. 
And on the, the day they're to be married, of course, because they wear the veils and everything like that, he doesn't know what he's getting. And that night he finds out, oh, he didn't give me Rachel. He gave me the older sister Leah that I didn't want. And so he goes back to Laban, who has deceived him. And he says, I wanted Rachel. And he said, oh, yeah, you can have her if you work another seven years. So 14 years he's invested into this marriage. That's commitment. <laughs> this is before it's even started. Come on. And things just keep getting worse and worse for Jacob there. He ends up with, with, Jake, with Leah and Rachel. Uh, Leah starts having kids, and she's got like five or six sons, and Rachel's got none. And Rachel starts to get a little butthurt over the whole situation. It's like, I'm the wife that he loves. God, why haven't you given me a son? So he says, well, here, take my servant. And so the servant starts having kids with Jacob. It's a, see, I'm saying this because if you think your background is dysfunctional <laughs> and that it disqualifies you, you're wrong. And so Leah sees it, and she's like, well, if she gets to use her servant, here, you can use my servant too. So we got four women in the mix. Come on, I've got one wife, and that's enough. She's an awesome wife, but I wouldn't want a second, a third, or a fourth. That's just too much. So, we said all that to get to the start of this story. Genesis chapter 30, verse 22. Then God remembered Rachel, and God listened to her and opened her womb. And she conceived, and she bore a son, and said, God has taken away my reproach. And she called his name Joseph and said, The Lord shall add to me another son. Interesting, this is the first son. She gets a hold of how God has finally provided for her a son and understands, wait, he does provide. And so with the naming of Joseph is already declaring this is not the end. It's going to happen again. She's been waiting a long time at this point for this one. Joseph means Jehovah has added. Means the self-existent one who reveals himself has added to me. She's talking about increase. And so it came to pass when Rachel had born Joseph that Jacob said to Laban, Send me away that I may go to my own place and to my country. This is interesting because up until this point, Jacob has been pretty content to stay there with Laban. But when he understands after Joseph, the provision of God, finally he's saying, you know what? I think I can do this on my own. I don't need to stay with your tricks anymore, Laban. Come on. A lot of us stay in bad situations because we don't understand that God will take care of us when we get out of them. Come on. People stay in abusive relationships they never should have stayed in because they don't think that they can do it on their own. So the devil they know is better than the devil they don't. Come on. You get a hold of an understanding of God's provision. It'll break the chains off of you, and you'll go stand free. No, my God will take care of me. I will not stay in this rotten situation another moment longer. 
And so with the coming of Joseph and the understanding of the Jehovah is going to add, and he'll continue to add, and I'll see beyond this son, and I'll look to another, Joseph finally says, Laban, I'm getting out of this situation. He, sir, he says, Get, give me my wives and my children for whom I have served you, and let me go, for you know my service which I've done for you. And Laban said, please stay. Because the thing is, he needed, needed Jacob more than Jacob needed him. He says, if I found favor in your eyes, for I have learned by experience that the Lord has blessed me for your sake. Come on. This should be the testimony of every child of God, that whatever job that you join yourself to gets blessed because you're there, because the blessing surrounds you. It's overtaken you. It goes before you, and you're going to be the head and not the tail. You're going to be above and not beneath, and that place will be blessed because you have chosen to reside there. And so Laban recognized, I can't lose you. You're the reason why I've increased. Come on, we need to get this around in our minds, for sure. And that's why we're hammering it again this week, is because wherever you go, opportunity arises. Wherever you go, increase is available to you. You know, I remember hearing one minister say that his wife and him began to confess every morning, God, we thank you that you have blessed us, that you are our provider, and wherever we go, your blessings go with us. And so his wife said to him one day, he's like, you ever notice when we're out shopping, that we'll go into a store and we'll be the only ones in there when we get there, but by the time we leave, it's packed. That's the blessing of God following us around. Whatever we get involved with, it increases. It gets blessed just because you're standing there. And so I'd forgotten about that story, and I was out shopping with my wife, Robin, probably two or three months ago now, and she said the same thing. Have you noticed that there was nobody at this mall when we got here, and now it's packed. And every store we go into, people just flock in behind us. That's the blessing of God. When you begin to believe it, God says, oh, you think that's great? You haven't seen nothing yet. I will open doors that you have not even dreamed of. And so Laban says to Jacob, name your wages, I'll, I'll give it to you. He's in a position where it's like, I can't let you go. And Jacob said to him, you know how I have served you and how your livestock has been with me. For what I, you had before I came was little, and it has increased to a great amount. And the Lord has blessed you since my coming. And now what, I, what, when shall I provide for my own house? And so he said, what shall I give you? And Jacob said, you're not going to give me anything. This is what you're going to do. I will keep feeding your sheep. I'll keep feeding your goats. I'll keep feeding your cattle. But you're going to give me all the speckled and spotted and all the striped ones and all the brown ones from your goats. You know what, what he said? Give me your garbage. Come on, when you do a sacrifice, you look for the lamb that has no spot or blemish. Jacob says, I can take your garbage and I can do something with it. And so he goes through. Laban's like, sure, yeah, you take the weak ones. You take the sick ones. I don't want them in my flock anyways. And so Jacob takes those weak ones, and God gives him wisdom. That's vision. He knew what he needed to do. So what he did is he essentially creates these mirrors that are speckled and spotted and striped so that when the cattle, Laban's cattle, come up 
to drink the water and to conceive, they look at themselves and they see themselves as spotted and speckled and striped and brown. And you know what begins to happen? The cattle begin to have speckled and spotted and striped and brown. And so Jacob, or Jacob goes and he keeps doing that in front of all the strong cows. So that instead of them being the crap of Laban's, he ends up with all the good stuff. Because that's wisdom. God will give you wisdom of how to increase. Because it's part of his nature and you've now become one with him. And so this continues on for a little while. And then it get, words get back to Laban. And he's like, you know that little flock of weak things that Jacob had? Well, now it's a pretty big flock. And they're the strong ones. And the so-called good ones that you had are now small and weak and no longer doing good. And so you know what? Laban begins to change the wages. And he goes on and he changes Jacob's wages ten Times. Why am I saying this? It's because you may be under an unjust boss right now. That's okay. God can still bless you anyway. You are not bound by where you find yourself. You are bound by your God. And he will bless you anyways. And so he just continues to multiply and multiply Jacob, even though Laban is mad. And it says this, Thus the man became exceedingly prosperous, and he had large flocks, male and female, and camels and donkeys. And after this point, God says to Jacob, Return to the land of your fathers and to your family. I will be with you. What was he saying? It doesn't end here. As I was with you here, I'll be with you there. And Jacob just continues to multiply. And that is the story of his family in whom the blessing rests upon. Abraham, whatever he got involved with, just began to prosper. So that his flocks and his things began to increase and be, go beyond. Isaac found himself in the midst of a famine. And you would think famine's not a good thing. And the reason why we're emphasizing this message in this season, it's really strong on my heart, is people are saying, there's a famine coming, there's a famine coming, there's a collapse coming, it's all going to look bad, we don't know what it's going to be like, you're going to starve, you better start growing a garden, you better start making preserves, you better start doing whatever. Yeah, if he tells you to do it, do it. But it doesn't matter if a famine comes, he'll keep you through the famine. In the midst of the famine, he said to Jacob's father Isaac, go ahead and plant. You don't plant in dry ground. You don't waste your good seed in bad ground. But God gave him a vision, and he did it. And it says that he was blessed a hundredfold from that seed. When it came to Jacob, he didn't have to tell him the plant. Jacob had already increased. So he said, go down to Egypt and buy some grain, because he had the money. He had the wealth, because God was with him. Whatever situation you find yourself in, God is your Jehovah Jireh. He will provide. This message is not about you amassing wealth and millions and millions of dollars so you can sit around and do nothing. What you put your hand to do, though, will prosper. Because the blessing of God is with you. Let's stand on our feet this morning. Father, we thank you for this revealed characteristic of you, that you are our Jehovah Jireh. You are the God who is with us. 
And so, Father, we just ask right now that as we have heard your word today, that you would have it get settled down in our hearts. That it would not just be a message that we got excited about today and forget tomorrow. But no, let it become wisdom and revelation knowledge to us this day. That wherever I go, you go with me. And wherever you are is blessed. And whatever you bless increases. And I have been blessed with all blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And so, Father, I thank you that I can't help but prosper under you. You give me vision to see. You give me wisdom to see where I should be. But above all, God, I just say, I trust in you. As your word says, some trust in horses, some trust in chariots. I don't put my trust in things. I put my trust in you. And I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, maybe you're here this morning or you've been watching us via the internet and you haven't made Jesus the Lord of your life, now's the moment to do it. Don't wait another moment without getting hooked up with what God has given for you. The ultimate gift of Jesus, who became a sacrifice for you so that you don't have to do it in your strength. So church, let's pray with them. Let's say, Father, I ask for Jesus. Right now I receive him into my life. I thank you, Jesus, that what you did was enough. And of your fullness I receive. I thank you today I'm a new creature. That old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And so we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. If you just prayed that prayer with us this morning, we would love for you to get in contact with us. We would love to get some resources into your hands, get you hooked up with a good church in your area. If you're in the Smith Falls area, we say welcome home. We would love to walk this journey together with you. But guys, our Word Care team is going to be right up here at the front in a moment. If you need prayer for anything, if you need someone to agree with you, believe with you, to celebrate with you, testify with you, they would love to agree and hook up. You don't have to go home the way you came in Jesus' name. If you'd like to give today, you can do so at wordchurch.ca forward slash give. Or there's envelopes in the seat in front of you, a basket at the back. We don't put a big push on it like give, 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 give. No, your job is to listen. Whatever God tells you to do, you do. That's it. That's the giving system of God. Just be obedient. That's like that provision we talked about this morning. What did he tell you to do? You do it. But you know what, guys? As you leave this place today, this service doesn't end. You're blessed here. You're blessed out there. Take the blessing where you go. Amen. You guys are great. We'll see you all in a little bit. Let's have coffee and fellowship.